What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and having a wonderful day. Uh, thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us. Those of you that are online, thanks so much for connecting with us and watching. You are part of us. And I just want to remind us that we need this, right? We need relationships. We need to connect with our God. God designed us to be worshipers of him. And so we need church. We need each other. This is hugely important for us. Uh, and who we are, and our connection with him and with each other. And we are in an incredible series called Alter Ego. And so when you understand the idea of altar and ego, we know that an altar is where sacrifices are made. You know, in the Old Testament, you see that the sacrifices were, were given to God. And, and then when you understand your ego, our, under, our ego is who we think that we are. And oftentimes, unfortunately, we have an unhealthy or imperfect view of who we truly are. And so last week, it, to kick off the series, I talked about the aspect of inadequacies. But let me ask you a few questions before we dive into the, the message for today. Uh, so when, when you look at your life and you look at things and, and you go about your decisions, when things don't quite go your way, do you get upset? Are you bothered when things don't work out? the way that you hoped that they would. Uh, do you at times think that you actually know what's best uh, to, to, to make a right decision? Do you need to be in control? And so in this idea and understanding of alter ego, what we're going to do is we have to get to the place where maybe, just maybe, this is the place where we recognize that we've got to lay some things down. Where in, in Romans chapter 12, it says that we can be like living sacrifices, where we take ourselves and we put ourselves on this altar, where we sacrifice ourselves, because we have to have this understanding of who we are in God, where our ego actually maybe needs to change our perspectives and understanding. And so today, with all excitement, I am talking about control. And so you need to know something. I love to be in control. I absolutely love it. And when I'm not in control, things around me feel chaotic. The things around me, I, I just, I, it feels unsettling to me. And so, and I try and justify it, and, and, and I try and say things like, well, that's how God made me. But even in that statement, that's a controlling statement. Uh, and trying to say, well, that's okay for me to act this way. No, it actually isn't. And so we have to recognize that. But I, I need some other people uh, in support of me this morning. So if you're here in the auditorium, if you're online watching, if you'd be willing to put your hand up and say, you know what, uh, that's me too. I like to be in control. I don't like things to be chaotic. Thank you so much for, for admitting that. I have maybe two hands up uh, for this one. And so this, this one's just as much for me as maybe it is for you. I appreciate that. So maybe you're, you're the type of person where you're controlling at work, but maybe at home you're a little bit more relaxed. And so I get that. I totally understand. There's certain areas in our lives where we are controlling, certain other areas where we're not. And so that's just the reality of who we are. Maybe you're controlling regarding your finances, where you're constantly looking at bank statements and portfolio and numbers. And, 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 but when you look at your family and your kids, your kids just, you let them run around. Uh, you, you, you let your kids run around like crazy, and you're less controlling over your kids. I don't know what it is for you. Where are you controlling? Maybe it's your kitchen, where your kitchen cannot have any crumbs on the island. Like, that would be awful, so you've got to sweep them off. Or maybe it's your car. Your car is always immaculate, shiniest car in the lot. Or maybe it's your yard, where the edge just has to be perfect. You know what I'm talking about? Where is it that you have to be controlled? 
uh, in control. And so when you take this idea and this understanding and the reality that we've got to lay ourselves down, what we've got to do is look in ourselves and have some self-awareness and recognize that there's probably two main areas, two main categories where we try to control. So one is people and the other is circumstances. So let's talk about people just for a second. If, if we know God and we know people, we know that God loves people, doesn't he? It's very clear in Scripture that God loves people, so much so that he sent his son. God loves people, and in fact, God even has a plan for people, doesn't he? When we look at Scripture, we go, man, God has a plan for my life, and, and, we know, and every single person, God loves them and has a plan for their life. And so when we try to control people, we actually are taking the place of God. Because why? Because we love people and we have a great plan for their life. If they will follow our plan for their life, then everything's going to work out. It's going to be amazing. So we do all that we can to help them see our plan for them. Don't we? That's just the reality when we try to control people. And we will do just about anything. We will manipulate people. Uh, by the things that we say, the things that we do. We will bribe people. We will bribe our children to get them to act the way that we want. We will coerce them. We'll be nice. We'll have the silver tongue type thing. We'll say things that will persuade them. And, and we try and make it seem like it's their idea, but it's actually ours. We'll reward behavior that we want to, to see in their lives. And we'll withhold rewards when they don't act the way that we want. Why do we do that? It's because we know what's best, don't we? We know what's best for them, and so we try and control people. The second thing is we try and control circumstances. So maybe this is something that you'll connect with where maybe it's just your appearance. You, you try and control everything about your appearance. Every, every hair has to be right. Everything has to be in place. You have, you know, you, everything matches. It looks good. Maybe it's your house. You know, your house has to be clean, immaculate, where at any point in time, whoever walked in the front door, they're, they're going to be shocked and go, wow, this is, you know, it's amazing. Maybe it's your schedule. You're constantly controlling about your schedule. And even when you're on vacation, you have every single minute planned for the entire vacation. And it even stresses me out. Like if my heart starts beating, right? You just like, oh, the schedule's got to be in line. And sometimes we even control circumstances where it's, we want to make sure we know what other people think about us. And so we make sure we act accordingly because we care what other people think. So why, why do we do this? And, and really, we have to be willing to admit and say that our ego is out of control. What we just have to recognize is that, that we act like God when we try and be in control. There's an interesting uh, passage of scripture, some verses I want to share with you. This is from the CF. V version. This is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5. It says, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Uh, it says, depend on your own understanding. Seek his will for some things, and we will decide which path to take. So that's the CFV. That's the control freak version of Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. So we act like God. Don't we? we? We try and control everything, every person, every situation, every circumstance around us. And the reason we do this is because we are afraid of losing control. And so the, the more afraid we are, the more controlling we actually become. 
and we find ourselves in this unhealthy cycle of fear based on our desire to control. And so when we take control in our lives, we actually are removing God from the scenario. And here's the deal, right? I, I admitted I raised both hands, and I appreciate those of you that raised your hands. I'm sure there's several of you online that you relate, and it's rough. Like, I know it's rough because we think we know what's best. We actually do. Now, I've been open uh, about our marriage. You know, Nicole and I, I've shared openly before that we've been to a marriage counselor. And, and so, and, th and that is great. I'll tell you, it, it has been extremely helpful and I hate it. All wrapped up in one is, and, and here's, the, here's the reason why. So it's helpful. We were able to take steps and work through things that we need, and we want to grow, and we want to continue to have a healthy, strong marriage. But I hate it because it also requires me to share my emotions, which is a challenge for me, and it causes me to lose more control in my marriage. So I hate it, and I love it all wrapped up in one because I hate giving up control. I really do. Now, the reason I bring that up is because uh, recently, <laughs> sorry, recently we were having a major discussion, an argument, a fight, just at each other. It was difficult. It was challenging. And so Nicole actually wrote a few things down. Uh, she wrote a few things down for me just so that I could read, so that I could process, so that I could think through them. And one of them was, you're not always right. Now, that's a, that's a true statement, right? But here's what I want to share with you. I swear, as God is my witness, my initial thought after I read that statement was, not always, but usually. I mean, that's, that's who I am. That's who we are. Like, that's what we're dealing with. It is so difficult for us to see and recognize. And so we have to admit this, and, and, and man, I, I absolutely believe that God is going to do amazing things in our life, in me, in our, and, and for you, and so we need this. And so there are incredible Bible stories about this exact topic, this exact thing, and so I want to grab a hold of these so we can apply these to our lives, because I love when God gives us scripture and biblical figures that we can relate with, where he will speak to us through scripture and through his Holy Spirit, and so many of us, we need this, and so the, the biblical figures I'm going to use in this message are Abram and Sarai. Now, Abram and Sarai, uh, later on in scripture, their names actually get changed to Abraham and Sarah. So they're in the book of Genesis. Their story is laid out over multiple chapters. And so if you don't understand or haven't read or, uh, or heard the story before, God actually promises to Abram that, that he will be the, the father of many nations, that he will be the leader over this nation of Israel, and that, in fact, the, his descendants will be as many as the sand on the beach, as many as the, the stars in the sky. Like It's incredible with the promise that God speaks over, over Abram. But the thing that's interesting and challenging is him and Sarai were actually childless to this point. Up to this point, they were older and they were unable to have kids. And so when God doesn't fulfill his promise in a timely fashion the way that they had expected or way that, the way that they wanted, Abraham and Sarai take control over the situation. And so we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 16, starting in verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. So, but she had 
an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Paraphrased, things aren't happening the way that I want. I'm going to take control of the situation. It continues, and Abraham agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. And so when we push God out of the situation, of our scenario, of the things that are going on, when we want things to happen our way, <laughs> they usually aren't good. It, that usually is, is, is bad, in fact. And the thing that's interesting and what we've got to allow to settle in our mind and in our hearts is we do this all the time where we'll push God out and we'll even find immediate gratification. It'll make us feel good. I'll take control. I'll, I'll, I'll establish, I'll manipulate, I'll coerce them and, and it'll feel good for me right now. But we have settled for something that's less than God's plan because we snatched it out of his lap and we put it in ours. And so when you understand the story and the context of, of what happens, Hagar becomes pregnant. She gives birth to a son named Ishmael. And there were issues for centuries and centuries. In fact, it, it, if, you, if you continue to read in, in the story, eventually Sarai did give birth to Isaac. But there, were so, there was so much tension between Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac is the son that Sarah gives birth to. And in fact, even today, millennia later, there are still issues between the two. Because you look at the, the people of Palestine and the Hebrews, the people of Israel, there are still issues continuing from the time that they took control. Oftentimes it's immediate gratification, but we deal with long-term discord and issues and you know when when we read these verses and chapters and and uh, we'll say to ourselves we're like i know i get it don't sleep with a maidservant named hagar got it i can do that no no problem but man what what is it for you in your life maybe you are a, a single lady and, and you're a woman and and you are hoping to find you know a good strong christian man and and none can be found. You're looking all around, and all of a sudden, you're just like, well, you know, just, I don't see him, you know, the guy I'm looking for, and, and you decide to settle. You say, well, I, he, he might not be Christian, but he's a man. Like, I'll take two out of, one out of two. And, and so you settle, and you compromise, and thinking that that's going to work for now in hopes that things will change, when in fact... That might not be the reality for the long term. Maybe it's your finances. Oftentimes, we get very controlling with our money, don't we? Maybe you're a strong Christian. If I were to ask you, you would say, yep, I'm a strong Christian. And so you know that the tithe belongs to the Lord, but yet you say, nope, I'm going to be in control. I'm going to be in control of this piece. And so you rationalize it and you say, well, maybe I will one day. Maybe when, when this happens or that happens and we get, you know, get this paid off. And what, what, what happens, though, really, when we understand is we're taking control of something that belongs to God. Maybe you want to buy something that you can't afford. So what do we do? 
We take control. We say, you know what? I want to have it. So we go into credit card debt. Or we go into other types of debt. We don't pray about it. We don't save for it. And we make a short-term decision to give ourselves immediate gratification, but we end up paying for it over the long term. And so I need you to ask yourself, ask yourself this question, what or who are you trying to control right now? It could be your spouse. It could be your grown kids that have kids of their own, and they're not raising your grandkids the way that you want, and you're trying to tell them what to do. Maybe it's your coworkers. Your coworkers aren't doing the things that, on the team the way that you expect. Maybe it's your image and how you go about things. What or who are you trying to control? And, and if you're having trouble identifying it, it's probably the area or the person where you have the most tension, where you feel unsettled, that's because that, that you're trying to control and it feels chaotic. And so we have got to lay ourselves down on God's altar. That's what must take place. And so I want to give you a few questions to consider. Maybe you type these out. Maybe you, you take some notes. Maybe just you, you'll process through this with, with uh, somebody that you know, your best friend, your roommate, uh, or, or just a friend of yours. And so the, the first one that I want to ask is, is it worth my concern? When you're looking at the people or the situation, is it worth your concern to control? And so let, let me give you a biblical story with this. So Jesus uh, was, was traveling and doing ministry all throughout the, the region of Israel and around Jerusalem. And there was this one time when he, was, he went to visit Mary and Martha. They actually were having a dinner party. Uh, they, they wanted to have Jesus over, do this big party to celebrate him and all the things that, that he had done for them in their life. And so Mary was actually sitting, listening to Jesus. The, the dinner party was going on. Lots of activity, lots of people, lots of food, big buffet. And Mary sitting, listening to Jesus. Right? It's, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. It's amazing. But Martha was more concerned about the details about what was going on in the event. In fact, she even complained to Jesus to have him do to Mary what Martha wanted to have Mary do so Martha could get her own way. Here's what I mean by that. You know you're controlling when you're praying for them to change. Just saying. Just saying. Martha goes to Jesus to change Mary. So when you're praying to God, it's them, God. God, please change them. Like things aren't right, and so it's got to be them. When you're praying to God to change them, this is for you. In Luke 10, 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. This is the only one worth being concerned about. There is only one worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her as much as you pray to God to change the situation or the circumstance. His response sometimes is going to be, no, it's actually you that need to change. And so Martha is being unnecessarily controlling. Everything's set up. Everything's probably amazing. She probably took days to prepare, you know, cooking food, and all, all, the, all the plates probably match, and the decorations, and there's a theme, and it looks amazing. And all she really needed to do was sit down and enjoy 
all of her hard work, but she couldn't do that. And so the reason is, is we have this inflated ego that thinks that we know what's best. And so does it really matter? I mean, think about it. Do all of the towels have to be folded exactly perfectly and, and be look like exactly how they're supposed to? Like if they're folded, if they're not folded exactly straight, is it going to be okay? If, if your son who's in kindergarten has recess before school pictures, like his hair's probably going to be messed up a little bit, is that going to be okay? So does it really matter? The second question I want to give to you is, is it mine to control? And this one's, this one we've got to really look down deep. And, and different scenarios create different answers. Because sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. And so here's why. So surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibility. Let me say that one more time. Surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibility. And I'm going to share with you personally what this means. If I feel out of control, I tell myself I don't care. Like, and, and that is an extremely childish response. If I'm not getting what I want my way, I literally will say, fine, I don't care. You do what you want or however it works. And you know, if, if, if that's what you want to do, that's up to you. That's on you. I don't care. Oh, like, are you kidding me? But that's just, that's so immature of me to think that. But here's the reality. I'm still responsible. I have to relinquish control, but I'm still responsible. Let me just give you another example just regarding finances where some of us, we need to get control of our finances. If you look at your finances and they feel like they're out of control and it's chaotic, maybe, just maybe, you do need to adjust your spending. Maybe you do need to get on a budget. That's what's responsible. So we have to be able to understand and recognize the difference. If you're, if you're having issues in your marriage, you need to do something about it. So there's these steps that we've got to take. So is it mine to control? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. So, and, and when it's no, here's where the third question comes up. Is this for God alone? In, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Be anxious for nothing, because everything is under God's control. And so, maybe, just maybe, God is withholding this situation, this scenario, for us. Let me say that again. Maybe he isn't doing it because he's withholding it for you. He's not withholding it from you. He's withholding it for you. Have you ever thought about that? A perfect heavenly dad doing everything for us and our benefit. So the things that maybe we want and desire in our time frame, maybe he's doing it the way that he is on purpose. And so that's where we've got to trust in him. 
And so can you change your spouse? No. You can't change your spouse. Can you heal a loved one? Nope. Can't do that either. Can you control your own future? And some of you want to go, yes, but you can't. We can't. So what is it that you're trying to control? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to lay ourselves down on God's altar. We're going to lay that area, that person, that circumstance that we're trying to control. Because when you look at the story of Abraham, if you've recognized or heard this before, what is it that Abraham wanted more than anything? He wanted a son. I mean, he wanted a son. He wanted an heir to pass things on to. That, that's it. Like constantly, time and time again, he was like, God, but I don't have an heir. God, but my servant's going to get all these possessions, all these things that you've blessed me with. God, I, I, need, I need a son. The one thing that Abraham wanted was a son. What does God give him? A son. Just a few chapters later, right, it, it actually unfolds, not in the time frame that they expected or wanted, but what does God give to both of them? He gives a son. And then the thing that is really just so interesting to me, what's the thing that God asked Abraham to sacrifice? His son. I mean, think about the magnitude of what's going on in this scenario. Now, Abraham didn't have to sacrifice his son. God gave another option and, and, and replaced it with a ram. And, and so if you haven't heard this passage of Scripture before, if you're not familiar with you know, Scripture in, in Genesis, read Genesis chapter 16 and following the, these, the, the following chapters. It is incredible how God unfolds this. And why does he do this? I absolutely believe that God did this to paint the picture for you and I. So we could understand the magnitude of what God does when he gives his own son as a sacrifice. His one and only son, Jesus. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, he didn't make him do that. But God knows the depth and the magnitude of what it feels like to allow that to happen. I mean, can't, can't you just see God in heaven, the perfect heavenly dad, and his son being brutally beaten unjustifiably did nothing wrong taking the sins of humanity nailed on a cross beaten a spear stuck in him whipped scourged beyond recognition can you imagine being a dad and watching that and that's the magnitude of god's love that's the dad that you and i can trust he doesn't make us go through that he allowed Jesus to go through that, so Jesus takes the penalty for you and I. And man, I'll tell you what, that's the kind of dad that I want to give my control over to. And I hope that you do as well. But maybe you're the type of person right now that you have not taken some steps to give God control over your life. And you know that you need to. After this message or just in your life, things are feeling chaotic. Maybe you, at one point in time, you knew Jesus and you were following after him, but you would say, right now things aren't right, things aren't good. And that needs to change. And so what I want to do is I want to pray for every single one of us, you know, that we would be able to take the steps in, in relinquishing control over to God. But then also, some of us, we need to commit our lives over to Christ. Where we deny ourselves and we acknowledge him as Savior, that he took the place for us. And so I want to pray. And if that's you, you can make a commitment to follow Jesus today. Maybe it's a recommitment to say, yep, I, I need to get things right and follow after him and make him number one in my life. And you can do that. 
whether you're here in the auditorium or you're watching online. So I want to pray, and I would ask that you would pray along with me while I pray for us. And so maybe you say something like, God, I know I need you. God, I'm desperate for you in my life. Jesus, I know that you're God's son, and you are perfect. And you laid your life down for me. And right now, I give control of my life to you. I lay myself down on the altar, and I ask that you would please forgive me of all the things that I've ever done. All the things, God, that you would remove guilt, that you would remove shame, that you would restore in me this desire to know you, that I would commit to follow after you. Lord, for all the days of my life, Jesus, you are number one, and I will follow you, and I need you desperately. And Father, I pray just an incredible blessing on those of us that struggle with control, those of us that uh, are controlling people and situations and scenarios, God, that that you would come in and, and invade, Lord, would your Holy Spirit just settle on us that we would be able to take that and hand it over to you. God, we see it. We see their face. We see the person. We see the situation. Lord, we literally, we just take it and we set it at your feet. And God, in doing that, we declare we trust you. Your timing, your provision, your calling, your anointing, your spirit, your power, your authority. God, that you would do it just the way that you want. And Father, I pray and I just declare that we would not snatch it back. Lord, that we would lay it at your feet, lay it on the altar, and be hands-free. God, that we would just not have, not pull it back to us, because that's going to come up. And so God, would you help us to, to reject that, to push that off, but to continue to grow in our trust for you. And Lord, I know, I just thank you for your promises remain true. And I speak out the reality that you promised Abraham a son, and that's exactly what you gave to him. And Father, I pray for the promises that you speak over us. They will come. They're coming. They're on their way. We receive what you speak over us in the way, in the time, in the how, how you establish that. And so we trust you immensely. God, you're amazing and powerful and strong, and we love you back so much. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here in the auditorium, if you're watching online and you made a commitment to follow Christ, like I want to encourage you, uh, go, go ahead and go to gracechurch.life and click on I said yes. If you're watching online, that link will be right there in the bottom in the comments. Click on that because we need to know, like we, we, God put us together for a reason. Part of your purpose is with us as a church. And so let's close as we worship God.